I think a few more people have to mute themselves. I hear a lot of noise. Some more people have to mute themselves. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Let me start with a short uh, anecdote or a story which will set the context for what uh, I would like to dive deeper into. Of course, I renamed the topic a little bit, taking a little bit of uh, interest in the topic further. I called it a 360 degree self-management. There was once a famous uh, guru who was uh, called to a specific uh, location to come and address a gathering of thousands of people. He's a very, very, very expensive uh, guru, so they had to pay a lot to get him there. He comes there and then he gets on the stage and everybody sort of uh, respects, gives a respect. And then he asks them a question. How many of you know what I'm going to speak about? And they all gave a quizzical look and uh, they all said that uh, we really don't know. And then the guru said that I do not want to talk to people who don't know what I'm going to talk about. And then he leaves the stage. And then these people are disappointed. They go again after a month or so. They call the guru again. But this time they have the strategy clear. They don't want to miss uh, listening to the guru. So when they come, they know what question is going to ask. So the guru comes and as usually asks the question, do you know what I'm going to speak about? And everybody says that, yeah, we know what you're going to speak about. So the guru says that I don't want to speak to people who already know what I'm going to speak about. And then he leaves. So the crowd is again disappointed. And now they make one more strategy, go and call the guru again. So Guru comes and then he comes on the stage. Now they are very, very smart. They have devised a strategy. So the Guru asks the same question. Do you know what I'm going to speak about? So half of them say that we don't know. Half of them say that we know. And then the Guru says that those who know, please tell the people who don't know what I'm going to speak about. And then he leaves. So the question to you now is, uh, how many of you know what I'm going to speak about? <laughs> As they say, it's a cash 22 situation. Whatever answer you give, I can always escape. Anyway, jokes apart, this is a very interesting topic that I want to take you into uh, 360 degree self-management. I have an introspection question to start with. Take a minute or so, if you have a journal, write it down, or if you don't have a journal, if you have a laptop, type it. Otherwise, at least just think, why is self-management essential in our life? I'll just give a minute pause for you to write down. Since it's not a physical session, we may not be able to have people presenting, but I'll share certain inputs later. But take a minute to just answer this question. Why is self-management essential? Answer to yourself, write it down. You don't need to get on the mic, nor put it in the chat box, just think. Okay, I hope that you had some time to reflect on this uh, question. While there are uh, several answers that uh, would have come up to this question and each answer in its own way is uh, right. For such questions, there are no right or uh, wrong answers. Let me share a few perspectives on why self-management is essential in our life. And then through that, let's look at uh, what we are going to share today. The first is obviously to take control of yourself. And uh, obviously the question would come up, why do I have to take control of myself? 
if you do not take control of yourself uh, the possibility is that you'll be going haywire in your uh, uh, life and uh, there is no productivity that is likely to come out of your life whether it is personal professional spiritual or we just cannot remain idle even as they say in gita even lord krishna says that he can't remain idle even for a second and uh, you know action is something that we have to continuously keep uh, putting into our life and that will have to lead to productivity and for that self management is essential so that your productivity becomes more focused second point as to why we have to take control of ourselves is uh, one we have to be useful to ourselves and we have to be useful to the world around us why do i have to be useful to myself because in the making of a man there are certain additional inputs that god has put inside of us so that we are actually useful to ourselves and to others uh, live alone the other uh, you know species or creatures which are more in terms of existential mode they just uh, live eat die and then you know procreate and move on man has much more potential compared to assuming that i give you 100 crore worth of money with you in your hand would you just put it in your uh, you know safe somewhere inside or would you put it in a bank or would you put it in some way where it becomes useful to you it multiplies it gives money you know back to you in terms of return on investment and then you use that money to help others man by nature is a social animal and for him to be a social animal he has to be useful to himself and he has to be useful to others as well and for that taking control of yourself and hence self management becomes essential as i mentioned uh, giving back to society is something that even if you look at uh, some of the hormones that actually secrete in our body some of the happiness hormones are actually related to giving back to somebody else other than yourself they found out that this is one thing that actually makes people feel useful and make them feel happy when they are actually able to give back something to others to be useful in the society in terms of contribution and things like that hence these are the few points i thought i'll share and then start off there are three areas where self management becomes uh, quite uh, essential in each and every one of our life there could be more areas but all of them get classified under these three Uh, the first is uh, professional life personal life of course the sequence can be either way it doesn't matter and the third is spiritual life where the spiritual life actually encompasses yourself and your personal life and the professional life i mean there is no professional life or personal life without a spiritual aspect uh, getting into it one of the next books that i am writing now which is likely to get uh, released uh, soon is a book i call it a spiritual ceo in this world where uh, every ceo is measured only by the uh, the impact that they have in profit and loss account and balance sheets and the amount of turnover they have brought to the company the amount of customers they brought in specifically in the covid times the impact of a dimension beyond just material life has become uh, very very essential at least at the top level as they call as the cxos and for this spiritual life sort of gets integrated into every aspect of your life i want to now uh, show you a common thread for three of them which gets uh, in some way uh, knitted or woven together the personal life the professional life and the spiritual life all of them revolve around one single aspect called as goal and hence i have one introspective question for you i want to leave you with a minute for that why do we need goals what is the purpose just think about it uh, write in your diary or in a notebook or a pad or on your laptop Why do we need goals? 
okay this is a very deep question sometimes when i run leadership sessions this question alone takes about uh, half an hour to 45 minutes to answer let me just uh, give you one uh, situation assuming you step out of your house and then walk to the road you go to a t junction let's say and then you ask somebody else where does this road go showing either to the left or to the right on a t junction what do you think is the first question they are going to ask you in all probability they'll be asking you where do you want to go would it be all right if i just tell them what is your problem tell me where the road goes it's not going to solve because they are going to tell you unless you tell me where you want to go there is no point because every road leads to everywhere as uh, they say you know if you don't know where you are going any road can take you there one of the biggest challenge that uh, people have in their life why they are unable to fulfill uh, the true potential of what they are born for if you really look at uh, the final destination all of us would get into it would be something called as a graveyard either you are burnt or buried or whatever and normally what they put is your birth year and your death year and there is a hyphen which comes in between that's all finally your entire life comes down to that single hyphen x and x and x year born y y y y year this person died the hyphen that is in between is what we need to really express while we are alive so that even after we are long gone our legacy in some way whether we leave a footprint within our family within our street within a small segment of the society or in a very large playground like uh, you know a spiritual organization or in a nation or in a sports arena or whatever people have to speak about you positively not negatively because even hitler and uh, other terrorists who are slain are also spoken about that's not something that we would all look forward to we all need to be spoken about in terms of something that we have done which has impacted the society if an einstein is being remembered today if a babri maharaj is being remembered today if charity is being remembered and if daji is going to be remembered is because of the positive impact they have created and each one knowingly or unknowingly they had a vision and a goal which actually made them passionate about their life and made them drive towards the great achievements that they left behind or they're going to leave behind if you remember einstein because the theory of relativity brought a different paradigm which has never been seen in the field of science you look at babaji maharaj he brought spiritual research which has never been done before i mean uh, even today i don't think many people completely comp- comprehend or understand the paradigm shift that babaji maharaj had brought about in the field of spirituality and the same dimension that charity brought about or daji is bringing about all these happened because they had a goal or a purpose for which they are living without a goal we are like a you no know, bullock you not know, tied to a cart which goes around churning the oil seeds bringing oil it doesn't travel anywhere it just keeps churning and the oil comes out and it it's actually of no purpose you you are born you live you die and that's not something if you make a list of 50 to 100 people who you'd like to remember for the last 100 years would your name at some point of time fit in there or at least have we made attempts for you to leave some kind of an imprint where people will talk about you so and so was there he did something he wrote a book or he did this he did that which people will remember for the positive impact leave and hence the essential the need for a goal uh, comes in i'm just giving a very short you uh, know gist of uh, what this is all about it brings us to the next uh, question in this session what all one needs to learn to get a good grip of 
self management this is an ocean by itself i mean self management is something that you can grapple with throughout your life and yet have only scratched the surface uh, brother mohandas was mentioning about that 5500 books odd which were there in uh, which are there in crest library uh, how many of you would believe that there are close to about 4 to 5 million books which are printed and available for uh, you know self management and related kind of an area out of that for whatever reason we have only chosen say 5500 to 6000 books and how many of us can say that we have read all these books and even if you have read all these books how many of us can say that actually you have practiced what is out there which has been shared in those books it's not going to be possible so we need to get certain areas at least and find out where we need to focus i'm just giving you a short list which is essential at least from a practical point of view which would help you in your professional material personal and spiritual life obviously today if you go anywhere many of the connect programs that we do the first request they always ask specifically in corporate connect programs is uh, uh, please help us with the stress management people also ask us you know please help us with the time management they ask us about you know organizing skills problem solving having good self confidence assuming that you have tremendous amount of knowledge it needs lot of confidence for you to go stand up and speak and share what you know to a few set of people when we uh, comes to connect we get lot of opportunities across uh, you know heartfulness the plethora of people who come and ask us but unfortunately what happens is when we tell a volunteer to go and uh, talk about connect even for 5 minutes they say that no brother we'll just do the relaxation or give us sitting but i cannot talk so it boils down to having a lot of self confidence because that is something which will allow you to express yourself not just talking even to do something when you face situations when you face people in life when you face tough situations when you face grim situations what the world is facing due to the pandemic you need self confidence to survive through people who do not have confidence will not project an image that they are worth talking to and that will sort of put you in a shell where even if you have gems of wisdom pearls of wisdom to share nobody will listen to you because you don't have the confidence hence that becomes essential for you and that is part of the self management process as well of course self confidence to a great extent is linked to communication skills people who are extremely effective in communication skills automatically you know it's sort of a introvert if you have self confidence your communication skills picks up so if you have good communication skills your self confidence picks up they are sort of uh, uh, in a way sort of two sides of a coin and of course on top being assertive i have seen many people uh, you know who are really good but when it comes to meeting people and talking to them specifically many of you are part of uh, in material life when you have to interact with people you may have a point of view which you believe is right or you believe at least has to be heard but because you are not assertive enough because you go through as a submissive person or you become a overtly aggressive person what happens is people either refuse to listen or they are scared of you and hence being assertive is one of the self management skills that we need to pick up will uh, from here just branch off a little bit to find uh, what are the building blocks of self management what are the key key ingredients that takes self management to be in place take a minute uh, think about it or write about it what are the building blocks of self management in your view what would constitute
while there are several building blocks there are uh, four ingredients which are uh, essential for us to get a good grip of uh, what we call as uh, self management building blocks first we call as iq second we call as the eq the third we call as the sq and the fourth which today is really gaining traction worldwide what we call as a aq let us dive a little bit deeper but prior to that i want to ask you a question what do you mean by intelligence everybody claims to be smart everybody claims to be intelligent or at least they hope they want to be intelligent what in your view is intelligence would it take a little bit of a time just to introspect on this if possible write down your answer okay while there are several uh, definitions that you might uh, find uh, for intelligence this is something that use in many of my sessions which i find to be extremely practical you know highly effective when it comes to ensuring that people uh, come out of their best intelligence can simply be defined as doing the right thing at the right time at the right place imagine the world what it is today whether it is good bad ugly it is because of people either doing the right thing or not doing the right thing either doing it at the right time or not doing it at the right time doing it at the right place or not doing it at the right place for example i need to do the right thing i need to come up and speak say in a session and today i am speaking at uh, crest in a virtual seminar at the right time in terms of when it is actually needed neither too soon not too late even if we take our own spiritual uh, system it came exactly at a time when there is sort of a flux which is taking over uh, taking place in the world and our masters descended to ensure that they wanted to do the right thing at the right time at the right place for example if a masters had descended in uh, mars or in some other uh, you know sort of a planet what would have happened they wouldn't have found the right set of uh, you know souls to deal with the humans it is said the humans are the most uh, mature to handle a spiritual upliftment process and that can happen only on a planet like earth so hence they chose the right thing to do they chose the right time to do and they chose the right place to do and hence in whatever you do if you really want to be seen as an intelligent person ask yourself the question am i doing the right thing am i doing it within or at the right time and am i doing it at the right place for example if all of you have switched off if i face a wall and deliver this lecture i may be doing the right thing i may be doing it at the right time but i may not be doing it at the right place and hence if you really look at the definition of intelligence and link it back to the earlier slide which i showed you on iq eq sq and aq it will make a lot of sense to you let's now explore the various cues that i had shared in the earlier uh, you know uh, they were all acronyms if you look at iq it's called as intelligence quotient in intelligence quotient we have variants right from moron to what you call as a mensa what is intelligence quotient is nothing but a set of uh, you know questions that you are asked and how you respond to them gives you certain percentile scores if your percentile score is way below the normal assuming it's about 70 or 65 you are considered a moron an absolute dud as they would say if you score slightly better you may qualify yourself to be an idiot if you score a little bit better in the league of 90 to 100 you may be called an average person and if you score above 110 then you come into a different league of a very good iq 
and there are two three schools but when you score beyond 130 it is said that you are considered to be of a person with super iq mensa clubs if you go and google it you will find out there are mensa clubs where people who are certified to have an iq of 130 or above alone will be allowed to register as a member these people are considered to be of extremely high intelligence but this was prevalent till about 30 to 40 years ago when the world had highly intellectual people they were really driving everything but they found out that these people had absolutely no social skills they were arrogant they were really proud they didn't know how to conduct themselves and that laid the way in some somewhat to allow the next topic what we are seeing to come up which is eq or emotional quotient we'll uh, dive a little bit deeper into what is emotional quotient later till about 20 years ago 15 years ago emotional quotient was quite popular a person to be successful was supposed to have both iq and eq in good balance but in the last 10 15 years spiritual quotient is something that is gaining momentum slowly spiritual quotient does not necessarily mean a person who is in a spiritual path or who is meditating or whatever it has a very 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 wide ambit which i'll share a bit uh, later and in the last 2 to 3 years now people have come out with one more you uh, know sort of an acronym called as an aq or adaptability quotient they say that iq by itself is not sufficient eq by itself is not sufficient while it will give you a certain amount of success you must have a spiritual quotient and now they found out that a combination of iq eq and sq leading to e aq is something which is essential for someone to really become very good at managing themselves and to get all the benefits which are associated with self management let's now get into what is known as a aq or a adaptability quotient adaptability quotient as i mentioned uh, earlier is uh, the trade which is picking up in the last 2 to 3 years as a leadership trade which is expected for every leader to have in my view this is something which is essential specifically in a pandemic time like this adaptive quotient is something like this it is a combination of your intelligence quotient your spiritual quotient your uh, emotional quotient and then what we call as an x factor let me dive a little bit deeper into a different subject for you to get a feel if you had read about uh, the formation of species and how species have survived over generations earth is about 15 uh, not uh, about roughly 5 to 10 billion is 10 years old 10 billion years old compared to the you know the uh, life of the universe and they found out that uh, humans have been populating this uh, earth only for about 100 to 300000 years or so maybe a little bit longer or shorter there have been species which have been uh, on this planet much 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 longer than what humans have been and they continue to survive if you go back a little bit and uh, remember a famous anthropologist a person called as charles uh, darwin he had uh, apparently written a statement which went on to read like this the strongest of species is not the one which is the fittest to survive but the one which is most adaptable to change he says that the species which will outlive everyone else will not be the strongest it will not be the fittest but it will be the most adaptive to change when this session is over note on this word i am going to give you a word which i want you to dive deeper and study post the program it's a word called tardigrade spelt as t a r d i 
G-R-A-D-E, tardigrade. This is a name of a species which uh, lives in the sea, which is like, looks like a lump of flesh, just a few millimeter in uh, dimension. But apparently this tardigrade today has become the focus of attention for many scientists across the globe because of one single factor. When they had one of the payloads going to the moon, uh, one of the species they had taken along was a tardigrade. This was like 30, 40 years ago. They had left it on the darker side of the moon and come back. In one of the subsequent visits after 30, 40 years, moon is considered to be very, very, very hostile to living beings. And they found out that when they went back with one of the lunar probes, they found out that this tardigrade was still alive, surprisingly. And then they dive deeper to find that in a place where there is no water, there is no oxygen, there is no food, a tardigrade had lived for almost 30 to 40 years, it had not died. And then they did a little bit of a research. They found out that tardigrades can live without food for anywhere between 30 to 40 years. They can live without water and oxygen into eternity, literally. And uh, they can withstand radiation thousand times more than what is permissible for a human being. They can withstand temperatures with a swing of 300 degrees centigrade, extreme cold, extreme heat. Imagine with all this, they're able to survive and come back and continue to live. And now scientists are really diving deeper to find what makes this such a small, tiny creature to be so adaptable, which humans are unable to. Even a small sneeze today literally scurries us into safety because if somebody is going to sneeze on the road, we know what happens. He may be carrying a thread of coronavirus with him. Even a small, I mean, the entire world is literally brought down to knees thanks to a five gram total virus which is present all over the world. That is, that's what they found out. The amount of virus that's available totally, if you take all the coronavirus weight, it's less than five grams. But it has brought 130 countries and about 730 crore population onto their knees. It is just hence not in the size. It is in your ability to adapt. Today for us, the next few months is critical for the entire humanity. Those who pass through this before the antivirus or the vaccines uh, come in are the people who are going to move to the next level. And they expect a huge amount of uh, deaths and things to happen. And the people who are going to survive are those who are going to be extremely adaptable, make life modification changes, make behavioral changes, make thinking changes, make food changes, whatever changes are essential for them to adapt to the situation. And imagine, and hence, this is today considered to be the most important factor for every human being. Uh, it is projected in one of the whispers, Babaji Maharaj has said that what you are seeing is only the tip of many of the bigger disasters waiting to come. And that can be overcome only if we become really adaptable for us. And adaptability is just not about the physiological adaptability. There are adaptability beyond that in terms of your mental space, your spiritual space and all that. This is something that Babaji Maharaj has repeatedly mentioned in his whispers also. Anyway, let's now move to the next question. What do we need to ace these four Qs? The IQ, the EQ, the SQ, and the AQ. Let's now look at how do we ace the IQ aspect. This is today essential at least for us to ace the exams. Even to write a, say for example, if you're uh, writing a competitive exam in your office, you need to have a little bit of an IQ for you to uh, pass through. And this happens only when your knowledge 
expands. And in a very, very, very surprising study, they found out that the people who have superior IQ have the same amount of brain power as people who don't have that much of an IQ. And they finally found out the biggest difference to the person who has a higher IQ, which has been built up from a very young age, is one single fundamental differentiating factor. You would be surprised if I tell you what the answer is. The biggest differentiator between the people who made it really big in their IQ and people who don't make it big in their IQ is their ability to ask questions. Can you believe it? The ability to ask questions to yourself, the ability to ask questions to the world. And these are not questions which are mundane, repetitive questions. These are not questions you ask why you came up late for the class, why you didn't do homework, why you are not earning money. These are all very repetitive existential questions. These are the people whose IQ have really expanded so fast that the questions that they asked were questions beyond the ordinary. Let me give you a very, very, very simple question for which you can keep on giving answers which, will, which has changed in the last 5,000 years so many times. For example, is earth flat or not? How would you prove it? Does sun rise in the east? What is water? I'm not asking what are the composition of water. I'm asking what, what is water? What is fire? It might be very easy for you to say that water and fire are natural elements. That is a definition of what water and fire is in terms of their attribute. But you are not still defining what is water. These are the people who ask questions like that. The famous uh, Ramana Maharishi asked one single question which helped him to dive deeper into spirituality. What did he ask? He just asked, who am I? And that allowed him to dive deep to find the true purpose of his existence. And then a huge clan of people who started following him. The same way Babaji Maharaj started asking questions inside of himself, to the hierarchy, to the world. And then he started finding out answers. He found out Central Region. He found out the 13th point. He found out the fastest way to reach there. He refined the process of Sajmarg as was brought out by Lalaji Maharaj introduce the elements of cleaning, introduce point A, point B, several factors. Each of the masters who have come after that have asked questions. They don't ask questions uh, to the practitioners or to the world or to common people. They ask questions of themselves. And then the biggest of changes that happen inside of them, they pass it on to the others. In one of the first slides I was mentioning, it is your ability to help yourself before you can help others. When I expand, my knowledge expands, my consciousness expands, I am now ready to go ahead and serve the world in a bigger way, in a bigger capacity. What is the point in being of such a capability like Hanuman? And if you are not even aware that you can jump across an ocean. If Hanuman was able to jump across the ocean to serve Lord Rama, it is because somebody told him that this is what you are capable of doing. Likewise, our masters are making us to dive deeper, ask questions, introspect, pray, you know, write diaries. Why? Because when that small spark inside of you gets ignited, you start finding yourself inside as to who you are. And when you find that answer, and then you find that the gap between you and the divinity is almost nothing. It is just a few shades of you know wheels, which is uh, wheels as which are stopping you from reaching there. And uh, by the process of uh, pranahuti, by the process of cleaning, when you reach there, when you merge with the source, imagine your potential is now on par with the potential of what the guru or master has himself. 
and they are happy to give it to you because that's what you are born for you are born for true greatness you are born for achieving the highest which is possible for every human being and that can happen when you start asking questions relevant questions pertinent questions timely questions questions to the right people questions on the right subject with the right attitude imagine how your iq would expand iq is a very vast subject uh, you will be able to get lot of reading material on the net on it let me move to the next question which is by itself is a ocean eq which gained popularity in 1970s and 80s across the globe lot of work has happened uh, i have done lot of studies and work on this as well eq in very simple term is defined as emotional quotient and it has two dimensions what we call as a personal awareness and the social awareness the same thing everywhere first you have to find yourself who you are before you can go and share to the world all the experiments babaji maharaj did it and then he went and shared to the world he did it upon himself he did it with a few disciples very close disciples and then it was made available to the world for them to go ahead and practice if you have to dive deeper into eq first you have to be aware of yourself how do my emotions and feelings work what constitutes my emotions what is my predominant emotion and feeling am i an angry person am i a sad person am i a happy person am i a gregarious person what kind of an emotional person i am because how much ever iq you have it is your emotion which pulls you towards action and there are people who move into karma as they call you know karmic action only when they associate a feeling or an emotion to a specific situation when you walk on the road when somebody falls if you do not have a feeling of compassion you may not go to act in helping that person you may just walk off and go away out of fear out of whatever reason because there is no feeling or emotion for you at that point of time or maybe you have a feeling of fear what if i help this person if i am put into prison or if a police case is foisted on me you may not go out and help and hence personal awareness as part of emotional quotient becomes extremely important for us to dive into personal awareness consists of uh, three predominant steps the first is called as self awareness self awareness is to some extent if you link it back to ashtanga yoga if you look at uh, pratyahara and dharana it is nothing but uh, stilling yourself turning your attention inwards and looking inside to find what is my true constitution each one of us have a flash point in life some of us have multiple flash points self awareness is a process through which you find what is your tipping point emotion or tipping point emotions which are the emotions or feelings you are strong in which are the emotions or feelings you are weak in when do you explode when do you get frustrated when do you get anxious in these times if you pause reflect and ask questions to yourself ask questions to the people who are very close to you your family members your spouse your immediate uh, colleagues in the office your preceptor your other abhyasis who are very close to you just ask them what do you think makes me upset what do you think makes me happy what do you think makes me angry it gives a gist of what your predominant emotions are why do i have to be self aware unless i become self aware there is no way in which i can regulate please bear in mind that emotional quotient comes from the basic word emotion emotion stands for energy in motion the energy that i'm talking about here is as powerful as your nuclear force itself because after all if somebody dropped a bomb in 
Hiroshima Nagasaki. It is because a person became emotional. He took a decision based on his emotion to drop the bomb. The bomb by itself cannot drop. It is the emotion of the feeling of the president of U.S. at that time, I think Roosevelt, who decided to bomb to teach Japan a lesson. And that emotion of the feeling which he used, imagine the consequences that has created. It took almost four to five generations for Japanese people to get out of crippled generation. The impact of the nuclear device was so harsh on them. Imagine if you let your emotions out without channelizing them, what kind of a damage, what kind of a collateral damage that you're likely to create in yourself, in others, in the society around you, what kind of an emotional roller coaster ride that you're taking others along with you. If you just understand that, and this can only happen when you look within yourself, ask questions, ask questions to others, take feedback. Once you find out, then you move into the second step called a self-regulation. I now understand what are my predominant emotions. I know when I get angry, when I get uh, upset, when I get uh, you know, very happy. I know when I get very tipsy, there are various range of emotions, at least 150 to 200 of them. There are some excellent books available on emotional intelligence on the net. There are very good YouTube videos that you can actually go and have a look. It will give you a tremendous amount of depth on this subject. It will also share about the physiological side which uh, causes all these emotions inside of you. Many of us are hardwired or brainwired to emote in a certain way. But all these are reprogrammable. And the reprogramming can happen only when I know for sure what my predominant emotions are. And that happens when I am aware. And then I move into self-regulation. And then when I self-regulate, I use that energy as a fuel to motivate myself. I told you one of the first thing is that for I for uh, the three pillars, professional, personal and spiritual self to really expand and work, we need to have goals. And one of the primary inputs that is essential for a person to move towards goal is for them to be motivated. And when it comes to motivation, there are two fundamental motivations you have external motivation and internal motivation. If I have to be successful in life, I can wait for others to come and tell me that uh, please go and do. That in a very simple term is called an external motivation. Somebody is pushing me to go and achieve something. But imagine if I had to be woken up every day morning, please wake up, meditate, please wake up, study, please go and exercise. What kind of a life it would be? I am almost like an automated robot who is waiting for somebody else to turn the switch on. We are all humans. We have Viveka, we know how to discriminate. If we know what our uh, emotional buttons are, if we internalize, if, if I know what makes me happy, it's quite simple. I continue to do that. Copy paste as they say. If you know, if you observe from the time you wake up in the morning and you go to bed in the night, you take a journal and write down during the day, what are the times when I was extremely happy, upbeat, buoyant, you know, highly energetic. And when you write down, say between 11 and 11, 10, I was very happy today. And then ask yourself, what made me happy or very energetic during 11 and 11, 10? you'll find that something would have happened around you or inside you, which would have triggered that happiness or a good mood, as they say. Copy paste that, ensure externally and internally, whatever made you happy and energetic is duplicated across the day. It's such a simple formula, it takes time. You need to be aware, you need to dive deeper, you need to observe, you need to be noting down points and find out. Once you do that, when you're self-motivated, 
in my life, at least in the last 25, 30 years, initial years, I was also in some ways lucky where I was expecting somebody else to push me to work. But once I understood the key of emotional intelligence to which I got exposed about 25 years back, I understood that I cannot give the future of my uh, achievement of goal to somebody else. Of course, dependence of guru is also from within. When you talk about self-motivation, it is not the external guru which is motivating you. It is the internal guru who is inside of you with whom you have a continuous connect who is motivating you all the time to become like what he is. And when I understood the self-motivation, today many people keep on asking, you know, why do you do so many things? How do you manage to maintain that energy? Because I found out in my own way, what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that make me productive? What are the things that makes me useful to myself? I just copy paste it to the majority of the day, the same thing again and again. I'm good at doing say about six things. And these six things, what I'm good at makes me happy, makes me energetic. I keep only doing the six things. The other things maybe once in a while I have to do because I live in a society, I can't say no, I had to work with customers, I had to work with my colleagues, I had to work with mission functionaries, I have to work with abhyasis as part of my role. There are times I may have to do a few things, but it's like one of the bad days when you're caught in the road, when it starts raining and you don't have an umbrella or a raincoat, you take recourse in the satisfaction that when I go home, I'll get dry. And that becomes the motivation coming back home. Like that, the key activity that I do, which will make me happy, I know that even for half an hour, if I'm going to be uh, sort of uh, you know, derailed in my thinking by doing something which I don't want to do, I know that I only have to do it for about half an hour. I, I can come back in another half an hour to do what I'm good at. And that is something which helps me to remain self-motivated. The moment you are able to find that, you have won to a great extent what I call as a war or a battle in achieving your goal, whether it's spiritual progress, whether it's absolute merger with the divine or material success. All that becomes literally you know, like a child's play once you've understood how to motivate yourself. And EQ, to a great extent, helps you to do that. Once you have mastered the personal awareness, you move into what is known as social awareness. And social awareness can only take place when I have empathy for others. Do I have a feeling for others' pain? Do I have a feeling for others' success? That's why our masters always speak about brotherhood. Why? Because it's not sufficient that I succeed alone. You see, look at the statement of Buddha, what he made uh, three, four thousand years ago. He said, I will be available in this universe as long as the last man is not liberated. I'll stay on. Such a great uh, word from such a great uh, masters of the past. The same thing is what our masters do. They can be happy just uh, you know, making 10 people masterly, but they're not stopping with that. They want the entire humanity. Like what Babaji Maharaj said, I came from infinity. I want infinity in front of me. You want all the people in the world to benefit from spirituality. And that comes mainly because of their extreme levels of care and compassion, what we call as empathy. When you have that, you automatically develop the associated skills which allows you to express empathy, which are called as social skills or interpersonal skills. These again come back to the fundamental points I shared earlier. Your ability to listen, your ability to communicate, your ability to be assertive, your ability to get along with the team members, your ability to lead in distress, your ability to lead a flock of people who depend on you. All these are social skills which uh, form part of social awareness. We have seen IQ, we have seen EQ. Now let's uh, look at one more aspect, what is called as SQ. What in your view is spiritual quotient? Just take a minute. 
introspect or write down what is spiritual quotient in your view in your current understanding let me share today what is one of the most uh, popular definitions of uh, spiritual quotient which transcends limited belief systems of religion or even spiritual systems because one of the challenges charis maharaj always used to caution that just because you are part of sahaj mahar don't think that you are the only spiritual person in the world there are people who are spiritually aligned who may not even be meditating when i really dive deeper into that i did a little bit of work on this way back in 2008 i remember when charij maharaj asked me to make a presentation in crest on a topic organizational organizational change and spirituality i dive deeper to study the subject at that point of time i had come through this definition even today i use it in many of my presentation it is our ability to align our personal vision to a larger vision for the society many time what happens is we all have a personal vision and that personal vision to a great extent is confined to our comfort our material progress or at best my spiritual progress commencing my yatra from point 1 to moving on to the pindu pradesh to moving on to the mind region and whatever but if it is not aligned to the larger vision for the society where you are working towards bringing good health happiness and peace to all i may be the most advanced person i may be already in the mind region or in the you know central region or whatever but if it does not help the society in any way of bringing them good health happiness and peace at a very mundane level this is what humans want they want to be healthy they don't want to die early they don't want to die of any disease which will cripple them while they are alive they want to at least be moving around they want to be happy they want to be peaceful anyone whose personal vision is aligned to this worldly spiritual vision is considered to be a person of a very high spiritual quotient many of us are actually work in progress we meditate we clean we pray we do all that why at some point of time when we have become good when we have become better and become an instrument or a tool in the hand of our master we are able to align our personal vision to a larger vision of the society in bringing these three values of health peace and happiness through the process of whatever we know one charge maharaj was asked uh, you know what do you think about other systems in spirituality he said that everybody is contributing to the global cause in some way don't degrade don't deride don't talk in a lowly way that we are meditating we are superior we know what is pranahuti all that he said is blah blah nobody will respect you for that unless you have aligned yourself to a larger spiritual cause and you will see that many of the paradigm shift that is happening in the heartfulness movement today in rajis time is aligned towards this larger today we speak about wellness we speak about happiness workshops we speak about the peace day we speak about yoga day why this is something which will make people aligned to a larger goal and you are considered to have an sq let's imagine the potential that is likely to happen when you grow 360 degree self management as a way of life what is likely to happen what does it take is rather my first question for you to unleash your 360 degree uh, why do i use the word 360 degree 
360 degree view is like you stand in a, a ATC tower where you can look through that uh, open window or the mirror on 360 degrees completely. Because you need to have a complete 360 degree view of yourself and of the world for you to unleash your few potential or rather your true potential. Really, what does it take for you to unleash your 360 degree potential? I would rather rephrase the question. We should not look at what does it take. We have to rather look, I should be ready to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for me to unleash my 360 degree potential in by managing myself is what I have to do. There are four areas at least we need to have very clear clarity for us to unleash our true potential, whatever it takes, clarity of purpose and goals. If you do not know what you are born for, if you do not know what your goal is, you may have a very you know, sort of a, a disturbed view or sort of a view which is not very clear, but make it very clear to yourself. At the end of the session, if you can write yourself, you don't need to find your purpose and goal today itself. At some point of time, if you are able to find the larger purpose for which you are born and the goals that you have in life, it might be easy to say what Bhavi Maharaj said, that absolute merger. It's fine, but do we really understand what that goal is? If you don't understand that goal, make a goal which is easier for you to understand. Make a purpose. For example, my purpose could be to make a positive impact on all those who come across me. A positive impact across all the spectrum of people who may impact. Clarity of purpose. Clarity in thinking. Goal and purpose is not enough. I need to have very clear thinking. And thinking gets clouded due to prejudice due to so many other baggages that we carry from the past, our inability to live in the moment. So many things distracts why we don't have a clarity in thinking. And then the clarity in the decisions that you make and the execution thereof. One of the famous definitions for management today, which is being given by many management leaders, a true leader is one who is capable of taking balanced decisions and execute them ruthlessly. You should be able to take balanced decisions, which means you should not be affected by emotions. You should not be influenced by people by uh, means uh, beyond uh, what is considered as a balanced decision. Because people are always out there with their hidden agenda. They will have their personal agendas in influencing your decisions. You need to have clarity in the decisions you make. I think the major decisions, it may not be like I have a cup of tea. Even in adding one spoon of sugar or two spoon of sugar, a decision I am making. I mean, they're all very small decisions, but at least in the major decisions I make in life, I must have very clear clarity. I must make balanced decisions. Not only I make decisions, I actually get them executed. For example, at the end of the session, you may make a decision to follow all the points that I have shared. Let's assume that you do, but you do nothing about it for the next six months to one year. What is the point? Again, Brother Mohandas will arrange for a session you will come back and then uh, attend one more session. And then you will find that the same thing is being spoken. Again, you decide that you will do something about it and you do nothing. So there's no point in deciding something you have to do. Execution is as important as deciding itself. And the fourth factor for us to live in a world, to be harmonious, to be a person of peace and to have happiness, I must have harmony and integration in all my relationships around so that people accept what I say. When I want something done, 
even for for an example for me to brush teeth in the morning it's not an individual activity that should have been water in the water tank that should be a towel next to the you know the place where i brush teeth so many things are there and it is a interdependent world why are we talking to each other today if you can go to the net and find all these things on yourself why do we have a session it is because a spoken word with certain explanation can never happen over the net and this can happen only when have clarity in relationships i am helping my brothers and sisters in a common cause for them to expand their consciousness for them to understand what is 360 degree self management and help them with certain inputs and tools so that they can progress further whatever it takes these four points are essential for you what does it take to really attain and sustain these clarities there are three key important factors that i would like to share which will help you to attain and sustain attaining alone is not sufficient for example i climb a mountain and i just slide back to the place where i started all over again it's of no consequence to me i must attain and sustain for example i make progress by one point to the next point in our spiritual yatra what if i climb back or slide back to the earlier point like the paramapadam game you know that uh, allows you to slide back it's of no use all that growth that i attained will go a waste there are three points which are essential for you to attain and sustain these four clarities these are your ability to still the mind stilling the mind today is one of the biggest challenge for many 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 learned people i come across several corporate leaders they always are bugged they are always disturbed when i sit and talk to them they don't even give me eye contact i know that something is troubling i ask sir or ma'am what is happening no no this problem is bugging me and their mind is not in the conversation their heart is not in the conversation that they are having with me their mind is elsewhere the conversation is elsewhere it's of no consequence even when you are attending the session for the last 15 minutes how many time your body and mind were together your body would have been in front of the computer system or your laptop or your uh, iphone or your other phone through which you are watching this program but how many times did your mind wander away somewhere oh my god my cooker whistle is going up or at 1 o'clock i have a call with my boss and things like that how many times your mind wandered and came back there is a famous story of a guru who was teaching a disciple how to meditate and the meditation session started and the disciple kept his eyes closed and the guru kept on beating him on the back at least 10 15 times after 10 minutes the disciple opened his eyes and he asked guru i am meditating why are you beating me up at the time the guru says you are not meditating your mind is in the vegetable market to buy vegetables for today's evening meal his mind was not still it was running around there is a famous story that daji gave you know i'll teach you how to fly come to the mountain in the night but you should not think of monkeys and the person what happened he was only thinking of monkeys extremely difficult to still the mind stilling the mind is essential for you to get the clarity after you still the mind you can turn to the heart this is something that we all know or we think we know turning to the heart because heart has its own brain is something scientific community slowly finding out which our spiritual jains of the past had found out long ago it may not be a physical brain but it has its own way of brain it has its own way of thinking to tell you what is right and what is wrong for these two to happen you have to learn to listen to listen to listen in many of my corporate engagements when i lead uh, 
sessions in classroom when i speak to executives when it comes to a session where they all have to confide their problem one of the top 3 problems they always share with me is my boss does not listen to me i have so many ideas i have so many inputs i have so many solutions which make the company better my boss just does not listen lack of listening is one of the biggest challenges today in every part of the world you ask the son or the daughter he'll say my parents don't listen you are the parent they say my children don't listen children parent and say that the school or college doesn't listen this is the biggest challenge god gave us two ears and one mouth so that we can speak less and listen more ideally when i am not in a classroom taking session very rarely i speak because i would like to listen to find out what are the perspectives available from all the people outside of me and the person who is inside of me as well that's why listening has both the aspects of both outside and uh, inside i'm going to one of the last slides uh, of the day before i wind up and throw it open for question answer there are several tools available in front of us i do not want to give any answers at this point of time you know it better many of you have been meditating for at least an year or more in this system some of you may be meditating for a long time you all have worldly experience you all are literate enough where you have gone to school college you have read a lot you would have read a lot of books you watched a lot of shows there is a lot of knowledge abundantly available to you already plus whatever i have shared a little bit today the tools that are available i do not want to spell it out directly to say these are the only tools available for you to develop all those that have been shared in the earlier slides i will just say that you know it better and then take you to question answers brother mondas i am done with the first round of the session i took exactly 55 minutes now we are open for question answer in case people want again you can put your questions into the chat box and we will uh, ask the question directly to brother I think now for the questions, introspection is going on. Yeah, we'll give them a little bit of time. Okay. What are the techniques uh, to still the mind? <laughs> This is something that I think our masters have answered so many times. At least being with the two masters of uh, afternoon meditation has taught me a lot. the biggest way to still the mind there are two things that i would uh, really share which i have shared across all leadership uh, spectrums in all classroom sessions which i am also i am still a work in progress but i practice the first is to suspend prejudice you cannot still the mind till you have suspended prejudice and prejudice is something that is part integral part of our uh, physiological system and dna for example the moment i appear on the camera in front of them those who know me would have started looking at me differently those who hadn't known me would have started looking at me differently and started sizing me what is he going to talk 
what rather what what is the new that you're going to talk what is that you're going to tell something that i haven't known oh this person looks black he must be so and so this person looks like from this community he looks so and so maybe this person is learned he must know something we all jump and this is a very good exercise mental exercise we all do keep our mental faculties busy by judging everybody else all the time till we suspend prejudice which is extremely difficult i am not saying it's easy at all with our upbringing we tend to jump into judgments very fast once you suspend prejudice the second comes when you live in that moment and have, some scientists have measured saying a moment lasts less than 1 second they say that it lasts a few microseconds at best while i am talking if somebody is already thinking about the tea break they want to get 10 minutes from now they are already not in the moment once somebody asked me in a classroom have how do i how do i be in the moment i told them ask this one single question for you to know to be in the moment ask yourself what is the biggest problem at this moment if the participants can ask themselves what is the biggest problem at this moment you are in front of this session you cannot say for example i am hungry or <laughs> i that's going to be 10 minutes from now or evening 1 1 o'clock i have a session or yesterday somebody spoke like me these are all already either in the past or in the future at best at this moment i can say you know i have been sitting for an hour i have a small pain in my back i feel thirsty animals charity maharaj always used to say know how to live in the moment they are not worried about tomorrow they don't look at how am i going to get my meal day after tomorrow they take the meal even if you look at the national geographic serials you will find that the moment a lion has its meal the deer will be walking very closely nearby because they know that the lion has had its meal it will not attack because lion is not something which looks at day after tomorrow oh my god this meal i had in my stomach will last only 3 hours let me keep this you know tie this deer up so that i can eat it later no it just lives in that moment this is something humans have the biggest challenge because they are always worried either about the past or the future they are looking for a moment which will happen 10 minutes from now 10 days from now 10 years from now all of us uh, you know once daji mentioned none of us ever know how to build up wealth because we always build up wealth which finally our children and grandchildren will use and we live in utter poverty we if we really know how to live with the day you die your bank balance should be zero you should not have a house you should have solely top because you know when you are going to die these are the two things which are essential to still the mind suspend prejudice and being in the moment so there is a next question which is uh, can we become more self aware and self discipline towards the life with this quotient training <laughs> i think somebody has some serious <laughs> relationship issues at home i heard it as wife am i right they said wife uh, no uh, life 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 l i f e life okay fine unless you are self aware how can you be i mean what is life let's put it this way i am alive today said so tomorrow i die does life or the people in the world make any difference to me not at all and the people around me to a great extent are nothing but a reflection of what i am 
three days back, there is a very interesting story which was floating around in WhatsApp. Some of you might have read it. There's a husband and wife couple who are living in a flat in a third floor, and they're looking through a open uh, you know, a plot which is nearby where there are some uh, very poor people living. Every day, the wife says that their uh, clothes are very dirty. Why do they keep wearing dirty clothes? After three days, the husband silently cleans the window. And then she comes out and says, lovely, the dresses are so pure and white today. The husband smiles and says, all I did is I just cleaned that window, that's all. Many times the window through which we look at others is always uh, tainted, tinted with various colors, tainted with the dust. And that can only be removed when I look at myself. How many of us have the guts to face ourselves and ask uncomfortable questions? What kind of a beast I am? Am I the divine human being that my master wants me to become? If I have not become, how do I become? The more I scrub myself and make myself a better mirror, the image that I reflect on this mirror looks starts getting better and better. And the best way to look at life is to make yourself look at yourself. That's what I said in my first slide also. Make yourself better before you start looking at others because they are all a reflection of what you are. When you get angry with somebody, it's because there is a portion in yourself which is still making you angry to that situation. When that goes, the anger also goes out. It's something like that. Okay, there is uh, two questions I think uh, looks alike. What is the X factor in AQ? Very good. I was waiting for someone to ask that I deliberately did not dive deeper. After a lot of research, they have found out there are about 30 to 40 factors which constitute the X factor. But out of that, 80% weightage they are given to a three-letter word called as ego. They found out that the inability for a person or an ability for a person to adapt is based on how flexible they are with their egos. The ego has its plus points, ego has its minus points. Without ego, we cannot survive. And ego is what actually creates the downfall and the challenges for us as well. Adaptability question today is my ability or inability to tune my ego to work with all those around me and with myself. So the biggest X factor actually in, uh, see, adaptability question, people are still researching on it. But the biggest X factor is, uh, as of now, what people say is ego. Thank you, brother. Ne next question is, how to copy-paste the happy moments to practical life? Okay, quite simple. While you are in the last one hour, did something make you happy in my presentation for the last one hour? For example, it could have been the way I presented, or something which I said which made you happy, or something which triggered something in you, which made you think of an event or something which made you happy. Go back to that moment and find out what, what triggered that happiness inside of you. Was it an event? Was it an action? Was it a thinking? What, was it a gesture? Was it a kind word? What is that which made you happy? And find a way to duplicate it across the day whenever possible. Because it's like a wave. It's like you know a wave which keeps going. There is a crest, there is a trough. The crest is where our peak of the emotion is. And scientists have found out in a day we have about six to eight crests, which are right for every 
every day we have a crest for 5 minutes 6 to 8 times it's about 30 to 40 minutes is when we are naturally happy and ask people around you in the last one month if if it's my spouse or my parents or my colleagues i ask them when did you find me to be happy they'll say that when you are gardening you are happy or when you are cooking you are happy or when you are meditating apparently you looked happy or when you spoke to your colleagues or you gave them advice you are happy maybe you're a person who likes to give advice and when people listen to your advice makes you happy because it boosts your ego copy that repeat it throughout the day so that the entire day becomes crest without props it's a possibility but you have to make a beginning somewhere next question is with lots of enthusiasm we start but to sustain it any inputs how do we keep fueling that engine Yes, it, yes, internalize the goal. Any additional inputs? Uh, the first word in the question has an answer that they wanted it. Hmm. You might have remembered one of the books that Charlie Maharaj wrote. He explains the word uh, enthusiasm comes from a Greek word called entheos, which means to put the God within. Exactly. The moment the divinity is already ingrained in you, I talked about self-motivation. I spoke about that the only motivation that works is intrinsic motivation where you already know how to motivate yourself. And the highest level of motivation is doing something which in some way will enable me to be the best version of myself, which will make the God or the master instead of me happy. Before doing anything, just ask yourself, will it make my master happy? Will it make my guru happy? Will it make my God happy? If that is too much to ask, just ask, will it make me happy? Will it make the people around me happy? Make a beginning there. And if that happens, enthusiasm is supposed to maintain throughout the day. I think next, I think whether it is a question or an answer, I cannot make out. But anyway, ego to humility. Sorry, repeat the question. Ego. Ego to humility. Yeah. That's the famous acronym that you might have found out. Ego is an acronym, somebody say, which edges your God or Guru out. Edges Guru out. Edges God out. In your heart, you have space only for one. That's why Kabir famously said that, that the lane of uh, lovers is so narrow that one can walk at a time, which means the other person has to get into the other person's heart. The moment you know that uh, the God inside you is uh, far more greater. The Guru inside you is far more greater than you. You have nothing but uh, to be humble. To be humble, just ask yourself, can that something that you can do without the help of anybody in life? Absolute zero. There's nothing in this world. For you to be born, you needed your parents to come together. For you to be delivered into this world, you had a doctor and maybe a nurse to help you out. For you to grow, you needed your mother to provide you breast milk. You needed the society to give you the space for you to play and grow and nourish yourself. There is nothing in this world that I can do myself. It is one of the biggest farce in the world is when someone says that I made myself, I am a self-made man. The moment you understand that everything that I have made upon myself, once Charity and Daji also mentioned, what are you really talking about? Whatever you have become is because of your samskar. Don't claim for it. The same thing what Lord Krishna said to Arjun. Don't think you are killing Karna. I have already killed him. Just throw the arrow. So our entire humility exercise starts from the understanding that we have only you know, karma for us to perform. Or Shama, as Babaji would say. That's the only thing that is left to us 
the result is not in my hands the result is in the lord himself the guru himself the more i understand the more humble i become the more humble i become my ego surrenders to the higher power which is inside of me the problem is solved but it is a very difficult and treacherous path or not easy Uh, next question is desires also make us happy but they could create a problem in our spiritual journey do we differentiate happiness babaji maharaj at once uh, famously said a truly happy person is one who is happy under all circumstances once uh, daji in his talk 3 years ago in one of the bandar has mentioned people always blame uh, samskaras for lack of happiness or whatever and then he went on to give an example say assuming you are born in the year 1975 or 1980 when that time you are born you are born with certain samskaras he mentioned that normally when you follow a spiritual path when your samskaras burnt out through bhog and by cleaning less than 10 20 years you burn off all the samskaras in 1990 for example did you know that a phone called iphone is going to come out in 2000 couldn't have known so when you saw that phone in 2001 or 2002 or 2010 what actually made you develop the interest in the product that i want to buy it is it your samskara absolutely not it is your desire and if you look at desire where does it come from it comes from your wish where does the wish come from it comes from your thought how does thought come from it is something that auto generates in yourself so what is the solution to that if i am in meditative state continuously what are thoughts which emerge out of me cannot have any impact other than what the guru wants of me true constant remembrance or meditative state is when you don't become thoughtless you become in a situation where your thoughts are regulated by him and your uh, complete uh, surrender ensures that you don't develop anything on your own he puts a wish he puts a desire in you which is essential for you to go through this life a time comes in a sadhak's life when you are done with all the samskaras and then the guru starts giving a few so that you are able to sustain this body till the goal is achieved hence to great extent be careful of the thoughts that you choose to expand upon finally it is our thinking which becomes a wish which becomes a desire which becomes an impression which becomes a deep samskara it's finally up to us with the help of the guru you have to unmute yourself i can't hear you still in mind and listen to heart is it one and the same thing uh, take them as a two sides of a coin because we understand that there are two instruments we have when we sit in meditation the biggest instrument is the mind itself until the mind uh, in some way stills by itself the heart doesn't take over or allow the heart to take over to such an extent that it two sides of a stick the famous talk that uh, charity gave in malaysia they are like two ends of a stick which have to compass and encompass where they become together where the mind and the heart works in unison through meditative practice over a period of time there is something that automatically develops we have another 3 minutes i think so i think i think uh, 
last one is i think it's more of uh, appreciate uh, i mean appreciating that particular question answer uh, what makes my master happy uh, very beautiful i think uh, there are several answers that have been given right from lalaji's time to daji's time hmm. one answer is whatever you do just think for yourself will this you see there is one macro goal there is one micro goal the macro goal is to make my master eternally happy the micro goal is through the micro actions and thoughts that i do if the master is inside of me if every thought and action which comes out of me would it make him happy for example i am going to talk to somebody right now will the words that i share with that person will will it make my master happy if the master is speaking through me will it make him happy it's as simple as that the eternal happiness of a disciple being accepted fully by the master happens only at the time of merger so let's not worry about that let's look at every small action that we do just put that one single question in front of you what i am going to say what i am going to think what i am going to do will it make my master happy if it is so go ahead otherwise revisit that action or thought or deed maybe something better will emerge so that's wonderful brother uh, thank you very much for uh, sharing all those ideas your experiences and uh, uh, mainly the point which you have brought out with the concept of iq eq sq and aq uh, because uh, even for me i think this is the adoptable adoptability question the first time i'm hearing it so it's wonderful to listen to something uh, new every time and at the same time i think uh, there are many aspects in a very very subtle way you have opened it and uh, made us uh, uh, to introspect and understand certain things in a more uh, uh, better sense so mainly the concept of larger purpose in life that is which we have to really look for and the concept of uh, uh, service that you have uh, emphasized where you mentioned about the happiness is not uh, uh, just uh, by means of keeping ourselves satisfied as such and this x factor which you have mentioned it uh, very clearly so on behalf of the whole team at crest as well as the participants over here so we thank you very much for uh, you know your precious time and uh, uh, we will uh, definitely call you again and again for this kind of uh, uh, sessions because we are lined up this is the third one uh, which we are having uh, virtual training program 3 and uh, we have already completed virtual uh, library exploration program 1 so one more which we are going to come up with uh, within another two weeks time so uh, we will have continuous these kind of programs uh, often so thank you brother thank you brother prakash for sharing all your uh, uh, wisdom it has been my pleasure to after all we are all part of the family whatever i can do i have done and i hope that the participants have something to take away for them to go back and practice i wish them the very best in their pursuit of the ultimate spiritual goal for which we have taken birth and i pray to master and uh, the high